many people have this angst or even discomfort with the idea of money. And it's like, once you understand what money is, money is just counting how productive or valuable you are to the world. Well, now it's like, do you want to be productive? Do you want to serve the world and make humanity better? Any ethical exchange of money involves an ethical exchange of value. If you're doing it right, the person who's giving the money gets a way better deal than the person receiving the money. Because for a good deal to happen, you're always producing more value than the market would even be willing to pay. Hey, hey, Joe, I'm super excited to have you join me for this episode of Coffee with Closers. My pleasure, man. Looking forward to it. Most certainly. You know what? Every entrepreneur has an interesting story of how they overcame obstacles to become an entrepreneur. I'm sure you have something very similar. Can you share with our audience a little bit about your journey? Yeah, for me, uh, it wasn't about money, right? Um, mm -hmm. Many, many of the people I'm sure in your audience too, like it's not money for them that, that makes them excited. You know, you're probably more excited about doing something meaningful in your life than you are about like making a crazy amount of money. Now, <laughs> if you're like me, you're like, now if I could make a big difference and make a lot of money, bonus points, let's go. Like I'm totally down for that. Um, but for me, it was really about making a difference. And um, I started by serving. What I did is I went to the most poverty stricken area that I could find in the United States, which is right near East St. Louis, uh, which is actually on the Illinois side. You probably know that being from Chicago. And our goal was to help students uh, in student culture who we're probably going to have a lot of dysfunction in their life if they made the decisions like most students in that culture make in poverty stricken areas in broken family areas. They make similar um, choices that cause similar problems. We wanted to break that cycle before they made the mistakes. And so we went into that city. We, we had more students in our student movement in the first 90 days than all of the youth groups in the entire city put together. Like that's how mm. fast it grew. The problem is the faster you grow, and the more people you influence, the more money you need to support that movement. And I had, I had, I was just like, whatever, like, God, you do what you're going to do. Like, if it's your will, it's your bill, send me the money. And that's not really the way the world works. <laughs> how many of you found that to be true? It's like, it's I'm true. doing good things. So just drop money from the sky. And it's like, not how it works. Right. And so um, it, we stayed in that battle. We went homeless three times uh, trying to figure hmm. out money. Uh, how money is associated with meaning and making a difference. It's like, if I'm doing good things, why doesn't God just like help me, right? Like just drop the money from the sky. But the reality is um, it, it, it doesn't work that way for good reason. And so I had to go through a journey of understanding what's the connection, Sam, between me trying to do good things in the world and making the world better by what I do and what I produce and money. Like, why does money even have to be a part of the equation? And it's so funny, like we spend all day, every day, most days, or at least eight hours a day, right, uh, working to get money. And it's like, for most people, they've never even thought about like what it is or why the world is better with money. So let me just start mm -hmm. there. Like that, that's where it started for me. It's like angry at God because mm -hmm. I was doing good things, going literally homeless, living out a hotel for six, eight, nine months out of the year, trying to figure out how to make $55 a day because mm. I was committed to my vision, but mad at God because he wasn't just giving me money to like, wait a second, if I was God and I remade the world, would the world be better with money or without? 
And so that was a journey that I went on, Sam. So, I mean, what do you think people think when they think of that? Like, I think a lot of people think, you know what? I don't even want to think about money. Like, the world is better without money. What do you think? How would most people answer that? Well, I mean, you need some way to exchange value, right? And how do you do that without having some sort of, a, you know, tender, which that's where money comes in. Yeah. Yeah. Well, obviously, you're more of an elite thinker, but most people are just like, well, like, couldn't I just have everything for free? Well, it's like, well, everything mm-hmm. was free. What would incentivize you to produce anything of value? No. Right? And even if you did produce every, something of value, if there was no means of trade, right, then people could just steal your stuff. There's no ownership. They could just take it, right? And if that was the case, if you were in fear that people would just take it, anything that you produced was good, you would want to keep hidden from the world. And so the world doesn't get to participate in the productive and good things that you're creating if there's no idea of trade. And so really the whole money is just, as you said, the counting of the value that you've produced and what the world is willing to trade you for. And so it's like, I started realizing, oh, well, actually the world is better with money. And so the question stops Mm -hmm. being like about money. And the question starts being about how do I produce value that people Mm -hmm. will happily give up their cash for in order to have the value that I produce? And when you start, when you're able to do that, that is like the immediate measure that you know that you're making the world better. Yeah. I'm having a very similar conversation with my 10 year old. I I explained to him, like, if you trade hours for dollars, there's not enough hours in your day to trade it for the the dollars that you want to make. So you have to figure out how do you create more value so you can actually exchange the value, right? In in exchange for the dollars. That's even better. That's so, even better, right? It's like the next level. Cause many people, mm-hmm. I mean, that's what most of the world does. They're like, oh, I want money. And so they have one customer, right? Which is fine. Mm-hmm. Like you can do that. They have one customer, it's their employer. And what they do is I will give you my time if you will give me your money, right? And that's the only trade trade that happens. Obviously, in the entrepreneur world, we're like, okay, we want to be able to add so much value that it's not connected to our time so that we can produce excessively and abundantly more than most of the rest of the world produces as an individual. And that's how you get crazy people like Elon Musk and other billionaires who are producing at a level that's just like, we're like, like, yeah. how do I think differently to be more like them? <laughs> Most certainly. And instead of being jealous of what they're doing or instead of, you know, calling them, you know, corrupt, but you need to understand the amount of value that he's solving billion dollar problems. So his value is in the billions of dollars, right? Go solve the biggest problem in the world and your compensation would be according to the value you created for the, the right. I knew I'd like society. you, Sam. I knew I'd like you. <laughs> you. You got it, man. Absolutely. So that was the big, that was the big first hurdle. Like most, many people have this angst or even discomfort with the idea of money. And it's like, once you understand what money is, money is just counting how productive or valuable you are to the world. Well, now it's like, do you want to be productive? Do you want to serve the world and make humanity better? Any ethical exchange of money involves an ethical exchange of value. And usually if you're doing it right, the other big epiphany that happened for me was like, if you're doing it right, the person who's giving the money gets a way better deal than the person receiving the money. Because for a good deal to happen, you're always producing more value than the market would even be willing to pay. They're getting a better deal out of it. And you know it's a better deal because they're willing to exchange their hard-earned cash for your result or your value provided. So 
And we're going to get to the details of how do you communicate value yeah. right? so that you can uh, get mm-hmm. them to open their wallet and share some of that. Okay. So how did that transition? Obviously, you were building nonprofit. Now you're building you know, for-profit companies. So how did that shift happen from being, being in the world, uh, helping with those nonprofit organizations, serving the, the under, under, underprivileged uh, to running uh, multiple companies? We wanted to do bigger things. And if how many of you listening right now know that if you had more money, you could make a bigger impact, mm-hmm. right? And so the question is, okay, is there a way for one, me to make more money to make a bigger impact? But two, is there a way for me to be making impact while I'm making the money? That makes an even bigger impact. And really what we realize is that the vast majority of you know, transformation that happens in people's lives happens as a result of a very simple idea, which is words, mm-hmm. right? Words. Words are like the containers that trans that help transform the thinking, uh, that transform the beliefs, that transforms the actions, that transforms the results that people get. And so words are the means by which things are created and things shift in us internally. And so I thought, okay, um, I mean, that wasn't the process that I went through mentally, but we started deciding like, how could we help people get better results who are struggling like me? Many times your customer will be someone who has experienced the pain that you experienced and you're like mm-hmm. speaking back to them to try and help them. So I knew that I wanted to be in the wealth category, so to speak, to help people generate more money because I know exactly what it feels like. to have none. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so mm-hmm. we started doing, I thought, okay, well, we can talk to people one-to-one, Sam. And that's great. Like, and so same thing, words happen and conversations happen for me to explain how I can be valuable to you and for you to decide whether you want to give me money. Mm-hmm. And that's how I started. Like I was doing it like that. And I thought, hmm, what if instead of talking to one person at a time, I could talk to a lot of people at one time? Because I mean, the words coming out, it takes the same amount of time, but I'm saving the same conversation again and again and again. And so we started helping one of our clients do events. And so instead of having one-to-one conversations, we were helping realtors at that time. That was the first niche that, uh, that I served. And instead of talking to one real estate agent at a time to help them multiply their business, I was like, let's do it. I started helping somebody who was doing events that would have 50, 60, 100 real estate agents in the room. And you know what? About the same number of people <laughs> bought, like the percentage-wise, bought from the event. It was actually higher, bought during an event than bought during a sales call. And it allowed me to spend more time with them. So if I got on a sales call with a real estate agent, I was like, oh, I would have what, 30 minutes, maybe 60 minutes. Mm -hmm. But when I did an event, I had a few days. And so by the end of two days, do you think they had more confidence in my ability to help them or less? It's like obviously more, right? They know you're Mm -hmm. not lying. They know you're legit, right? And so one, they were willing to pay more to have that result. And two, they had more faith so that when they actually went to implement the things that I taught them, they had much better results because they had more belief. And so one-to-many selling, right? And then immersion causes conversion. Those two big ideas immediately multiplied my income. Um, this, I mean, more than 10x. Yeah. Can you expand on what, what do you mean by immersion, uh, immersion causes conversion? Yeah. Immersion causes conversion. Um, you just have to ask yourself the question. Well, first of all, if you've ever been in a conversation with someone who is trying to sell you something, many times mm-hmm. you will challenge every point that they make, right? If they say, 
you'll make more money doing events. You're like, yeah, but events cost a lot of money to put on. Or yeah, but I, or yeah, and all the yeah buts happen. How many of you have experienced this? Someone says something to you. Well, when they're speaking for 30 minutes on a sales call, all they can do is tell you their beliefs, right? But when you come into an immersion style of event where maybe you're going to spend two days at an event to learn a system, right? Well, when you come to that event, what the speaker is able to do differently is they're able to, for example, tell a story. And when they tell a story, Sam, if I start telling you a story about running events and I say, um, I start taking you into the story and then I go, what would you do in that situation? In your mind, you're going, I'm going to do, you know, are you going to do choice A or choice B? Well, usually the way I can tell the story, it's obvious that choice A is the answer. You're going to be like, choice A. And I'm like, I know. And that's where I was. And so I started doing blah, blah, blah. And then so-and-so happened. And then I was like, what should I do with that? What do you guys think? What's the obvious answer? And you're like, do this. And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. I can take you through the story to make the same decisions that I made. So the way I like to explain that is people believe 3% of what you say and 97% of what they say. And so if I can create an immersive experience and tell stories and communicate in a way where the other person gets to participate in the story to come to the same conclusions that you came to as a result of your story, now it's not you telling them what to think, it's them deciding based on the story how they think. Now they believe it because they're saying it. They're not just taking your word for it. And so because of that concept, immersion causes conversion. Hmm. You Does that make when, sense? Uh, yes. I, I think I have the book in front of me, which is the, the million dollar speaker. Mm -hmm. So we, we got into the meat already. So, you know, the storytelling is a concept that everybody talks about, right? I hear it now. It's, it's even more con you know, common, like everybody's talking about using storytelling, which mm -hmm. I think I've never heard of this concept that you're explaining immersion that causes conversion. But, you know, you, you still have to have one-on-one -on -one conversations as well, right? Because most of the B2B sales and, you know, many of the high-ticket conversations are most, like, most of the time happening. And not a lot of people are able to do the kind of events that you're hosting to do, you know, teaching systems and processes and getting them to want to buy something at the end of it. So, yes, but in business conversations, one of the things I would say is by creating content using the skills of storytelling to pre-indoctrinate, and that's a strong word, but it's a commonly used mm -hmm. word in marketing, to pre-indoctrinate someone to come to the same conclusions before they come to your sales conversation that's one-on-one, -on -one, you can break down all of the normal average ideas that get in people's way from buying your thing so that there's just some very simple you know, like specific situations that they have that you can speak to on the sales call. Basically, what you're saying is you want to reframe their thinking about how to go about solving their problem by telling them how to solve it. So is it like more like a, um, I mean, it's, it is basically any sort of content you're creating, you're educating them about how to solve that problem and you make them believe it. And once they having the sales conversation, they already kind of accepted that is the right way to solve it. Is that kind of what you're referring to? Yeah, except I mean the language of make them believe it. Like that would be the greatest superpower on earth if I could just like make people believe what I wanted to. Right? Wouldn't that be awesome? Like I could beat up Superman. I'd just be like, make him believe I'm the good guy, right, or whatever, right? And so, um, and so, but yes, there obviously there are more effective and less effective ways to do persuasion. When you look at the greatest, um, most world changing, most impactful, culture shifting people, they've all done it through stories, right? And so, and it's because it's kind of like. Sam, if you ever go to a movie theater, right, and you've ever sat in a movie theater, 
you start in the beginning of the movie and you're eating your popcorn and drinking your drink and you know you're in the movie theater, but the lights go down and eventually they bring you into the story. And how many of you listening forget you're in the movie theater and it's like you're living inside the story, right? And you're like there, right? And so good speaking will do the same thing for you, whether they're watching a video like this one or they're watching, uh, they're watching um, something else that you've created for them. You're able to enter their mind with the story and lead them through the experience because, again, the rule is they believe 97% of what they say and 3% of what you say. And so mm-hmm. get them to say it. Like, so when you're speaking, your goal is not to say information. Your goal is to get them to say your information back to you, right? Because if they say it, they believe it. And the way to do that and make them, as you use the word, Sam, is to is to tell stories using frameworks that are already proven. By the way, there's already proven frameworks. The world's greatest speakers use the same frameworks. It's one of the things that we show in the book so that you're helping the, the listener come to the same conclusion you do without telling them what to think. They're telling you how they think. Now they own it. Even though when they entered that conversation, when it started, they didn't believe that. They believed the complete opposite. But as a result of the story, they shifted their thinking. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely does. So what are some common pitfalls or mistakes that you see entrepreneurs making when it comes to using storytelling to you know, sell their product or services? Uh, no, problem number one, they're boring. <laughs> Somebody say, don't be boring, right? Like you can't be boring. If, if it's boring, they're, they're zoning out. There's a lot of things that can grab their attention. And mm-hmm. one of the primary ways by which people remain boring is that when they tell stories, have you ever heard someone telling a story, Sam, and they just talked about themselves and the entire story? And they're like, I was at this place doing this thing and such and such happened. And then I did this and then this other thing happened. And then I was like, huh? and it's like, I, 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 right. And it's mm-hmm. all this personal story. And you're like, I don't, I, I'm not trying to be mean, I but wait. I don't care. Right. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things that that we teach and you see great speakers doing is that what you want to do is to take your listeners of your stories into the place of emotion so that they're experiencing it. And a little trick, you guys want a trick that that like like the, the best in the world do is they'll be telling their story. So they may say, like, I just told a story about being homeless. Right. And so. Um, if I was talking to a new entrepreneur who's struggling financially, I could be telling the story of homelessness and I'd say, and there I was like in like suicidal in the hotel room, just angry at God and just wondering, like, I don't even know how to make any money to make this work. Now watch this. That was all I, right? Now I can shift to you. I'd be like, you know how, when you've done everything you know to do and no matter what you try, it doesn't work. Like you're banging your head, what? Notice second person. You're banging your head against the wall with every new trick. You're listening to every webinar you know to listen to. You're listening to every podcast, watching YouTube channels, reading books, doing everything you think is right and everything they told you to do. Don't no matter what you try, it doesn't work. Have you had that? Pause. You see how I'm telling the story? And in the story, I come to a place where I have feelings. Somebody say, share your feelings. And so when I share my feelings, I don't say, I was feeling depressed and I was so frustrated because guess what? Nobody cares. But if I Mm -hmm. say, you know how when you, and then you, and so when I express the feelings, I express them, not in first person, I, not in third person, he, she, it, if the story is about something else, I tell them in second person. And what'll happen is as you're watching the audience, Sam, they'll go like this. They'll be going like this the whole time. 
Be- now they're they're no longer watching a speech; they're in it, and they're feeling the feelings, and you're telling them how to feel, and they're and they're like, yeah, I'm doing that, yeah, and I, and so and and so now there's this connection that's happening, right? And once we can take them there, we stay there, so we call it the IDU dance, so that. Now, now that I've got them, then I'll go back to the story. And that's where I was. And so I started and I'll move into the story to the next point of obstacle that the entrepreneurs face where there's an idea that I need to help them with. And again, I'll express feelings there in second person. And so the most problematic issue among entrepreneurs is being boring, right? Mm-hmm. And the way not to be boring is to follow this framework. Talk less in I and more in you. Because mm-hmm. really, mm-hmm. it ain't about you. It's about your audience. So serve them, talk to them, speak to their soul. Don't just talk about yourself. Nobody cares. Yeah. I mean, that's a, some really good framework uh, to keep in mind uh, when you're doing, you know, storytelling and trying to involve your, your audience into the story. Have you seen some companies that are really doing a good job using storytelling in their sales process or in their marketing? I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, some, of course, some of the best, right? Like mm-hmm. some of the best, right? It, it, results uh, are kind of proven. I mean, you see it, for example, immediately when you said that, I think about how, for example, Nike tells mm-hmm. stories, right? Their, their marketing doesn't be like, it isn't buy our shoes, you know, special discount. They're awesome, right? No, they're, they're telling a story of who? Of their audience. And so you'll see a video of a woman running on the side of the road in the early morning and all you see is her feet running, maybe hearing some of the emotions and thoughts that are happening in her mind that she's trying to clear out as she's doing the run. It's like telling the story of the experience of the person whose problem you're solving. That's what Nike's doing. They, they solve the problem by allowing you to run in these awesome, comfortable shoes, but they don't say I have awesome customer shoes. Cause the audience would be like, sure they are. I don't believe you. They tell a story and they're like, Oh, they get it. Right. And they just, it just creates desire. Click mm-hmm. funnels who of course, you know, you and I, uh, initially initial connection is at click funnels. And like, they're a software company that helps people build websites, right? But they're not talking about building websites. They're talking about the entrepreneurial experience, right? And they're telling the mm-hmm. stories and giving frameworks and connecting with their pain and finding where the pain is and telling stories about it. And so, yeah, I mean, look, everybody knows like facts tell and stories sell. And so like mm-hmm. use stories if you want to sell. Yeah, I like that. Fact, tell, fact, fact tells and story sells, which is sure. awesome. I think that's a that's a big mistake. I think right when you're creating, you know, in the, especially in the B two B world, right? It's all about metrics and stats and you know percentages saved or you know time you know time reduced, whatever all those metrics that they use for case studies. How can you incorporate those numbers into storytelling without making it boring? Yeah, great question. I mean, and I love numbers too. I'm a business guy. Like at the end of the day, I want I want cash in the account, right? Like mm-hmm. if I didn't need to tell stories to make that happen, I I probably wouldn't. Like if I could just give numbers and so. But I'll tell you this about numbers, like we have very high level entrepreneurs who are already crushing the game, who are doing a great job communicating already. But then when they implement the framework that we teach in in the book, like they like we've had people who are doing 10, 20 million dollars a year, literally just change the way they tell their stories and their conversion rates on their webinars or their or their or their events will double or triple. Hmm. Isn't that amazing? Double or triple. So data matters. All right. But your question is like, some people are just all data driven and they don't tell a story how, but data is important. It's, you know, Mm -hmm. like it definitely converts when you have data. So how do you do that? Well, I will tell stories, for example, about a client or a customer 
I will tell stories the same way I just did. I'll be like, Susie was really struggling in her business. She was trying to do blah, blah, blah. And, you know, she was trying to do, for example, she was trying to do webinars and she only made, you know, only 3% of the people that went to her webinar were buying. That means every hundred people who came, only three bought, right? And so she was losing money like crazy. You guys know how when you, and I'll go into like the feelings of the failure of the data, right? Make the data something that I'm feeling and experiencing as your customer on the other side. You know how when you, and that's how Susie felt too. But we discovered that when you, and then I'll make my point, when you do blank, blank happens, right? And so now I made a point, right? And then and then I'll say, I'll prove it to you, right? Because before we did this, and I'll, I could give some data there that proves it. And so when I showed this to Susie, she was like, that'll never work. See what I'm doing? Now I'm, now I'm like telling the story of Susie and her feelings, right? And I was like, I totally get it. And so what we did is we like blah, 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 blah. And we only isolated this data. And then we did the thing and boom, it doubled. And it's like, how many of you would love to double your results? Well, if you want to double your results, you need to do what Susie did. You see, I'm telling the story, but the data is part of the story on which we're making a decision. So that, that will speak to the logical mind and the more creative experiential mind where they can kind of get it. Does that make sense? Mm, it does. Yeah, and I think they they say like people making decisions with emotions, but they justify with logic. Hundred um, percent. It doesn't matter if it's a business decision or or a personal decision. I think that's just kind of the the gist of it. Yeah. But you are, you know, you talked a little bit about you know one to many sales, and you got uh, expo exposure to doing one to many sales. So talk to us a little bit about how are you leveraging virtual events as a as a means to sell your solutions, and how you're teaching others to do the same. Yeah, I mean. Um... The options are just go to one-to-one -one with everything you're doing, which mm -hmm. by the way, you still need to get that appointment, right? So how do you, how do you mm -hmm. even get the person to talk to one-to-one? -one? And the answer is usually, and especially in B2B scenarios, a lot of time it's just like chase, just chase, right? You like go try and cold call, like do the things, chase them down kind of thing. And look, lots of businesses are run off of that. So I'm not hating on that. I'm just saying there's a way simpler, more leveraged path. And the way simpler, more leveraged path is to send an invitation to get a certain result, to discover how other companies in their industry are getting X result, right? Mm -hmm. And so when you create an event like that and are inviting people, it's, it's a pretty easy thing, right? And they may buy a ticket. You could do free events. There's lots of different ways to do that. But it's like, now they come, now you get the immersion, which causes conversion. Mm -hmm. Now you're mm -hmm. not chasing them. Do you see the difference? I have this little mm -hmm. thing I like to say, like fortune cookie says, rabbit that gets chased runs away. Mm -hmm. Right? <laughs> and so <laughs> it's like, I don't want to chase anyone or anything, right? What I mm -hmm. want is for them to see me. And there's something powerful about the stage. You all get this, right? When someone's on mm -hmm. the stage, it's a place of authority in culture. Someone put them on that stage. Therefore, someone trusts them, right? And so there's all mm -hmm. these assumptions once you're on the stage. And so when you're on the stage and you're creating an immersive experience that helps them come to the conclusions that you've come to, that gives you the time to deal with the things that might be holding them back that aren't real objections, by the end of that, they know you're real. They know you know what you're talking about. They've heard all kinds of case studies and stories that you've told throughout that. And so it's just infinitely better than a 30 minute sales call that you had to chase down and beg for a five minute appointment to lead to the next appointment and hope that you get to the decision maker so that you see, you see what I'm saying? And so mm -hmm. it's, it's just, it's, it's, it's a completely different experience. Even if you're not going to sell on the event, the fact that you have an event that's an immersive experience and then invite them to have a conversation 
how many of you know that conversation is going to be 10 times mm-hmm. easier or better than the conversation where you're chasing them? Yeah. And so Sam's the, going the like this. You see how I just, I just did it, Sam. Did you see that I yeah. did it? How many yeah. of you already know that? And, you're, and everybody's going, uh-huh, I know that, <laughs> right? It's because I told the story, I showed the things, and then I'm like asking you and you're telling me, right? It's different. Yeah. It's different. Yeah, and you're getting a lot of micro agreement too in that process yeah. of getting yeses, right? A lot of micro agreements. Yep. Um, man, we can not, we can talk for hours about this. So obviously, you know, you've talked about your early days, you know, nearly bank, you know, bankrupt, you know, lot, you know, homeless, all those things. But you had to have some sort of a mind mindset shift had to happen. Like, can you share with our audience a little bit about how did you make that mind shift, right? Um, mindset shift in your in your personal life to get to the success level that you're in today. Yeah, I, um, I hired a coach um, mm-hmm. who the result I was shooting for as an entrepreneur at that stage, some of your business owner people will kind of smile at this number. But remember, it's just me, right? And it's like, I wanted to hit 100k per month. This was several years ago. And it was like, if I could hit, I thought, if I could hit 100,000 a month, Sam, I would be like, whoa, right? The world would open up kind of thing. Now you and I both know 100K per month, like, uh, it doesn't necessarily change your life. Um, But nevertheless, um, it's a a good number to start with. And so I got a coach who had already hit 100K per month himself and had helped lots of other people hit 100K months. And I was like, okay, that's that's the goal now. That's what I'm going to do first. And so... I sat down with him and he said something that changed my life. He's like, Joe, when you're trying to make the decisions that you believe will lead to 100K per month, are you making the best decisions you know how to make in that moment based on what you believe, the values you hold, and what you think is the best strategy? And I'm like, yes. And he's like, and how long have you been trying to hit 100K months with your thinking, your beliefs, your values? And I said, like 18 months. And he's like, and where are you at? I'm like, I keep staying around these 20K months. Mm-hmm. I was like, what's the problem? He said, oh, that's easy. I know what the problem is. I was like, what's the problem? You guys ready for this? He goes, you're the problem. Which offended me. But this is why you hire, you don't hire a coach to be nice to you. You hire him to solve things for you, right? He's like, you're the problem. And I'm like, I'm the problem. He's like, yeah, you keep making all the decisions. I was like, you better check my business card. I'm CEO, baby. Like who else is going to make the decisions, right? He's like, no, no, you don't understand. He's like, he's like, the problem with your business is that you make decisions that are in alignment with your identity as a 20K per month producer. Mm -hmm. And so everything that you believe and value and hold dear has already shown its results 18 months in a row. You make 20K Mm -hmm. when you, when you think this way, he's Mm -hmm. like, The problem is you will always reproduce what you are. It's the way the universe exists. It's like apple trees make what? Apples. Orange trees make oranges. I'm in Florida now, right? And it's like, cool. He's like, you're a 20K a month producer. You live like it, you act like it, and that's what you produce. And I was scared. I was like, well, if that's true, then I'm never going to hit 100K. How do I become a 100K per month producer? And he said, Joe, here's the shift. Is this making sense so far, Sam? Yeah, yeah, it does. He said, Joe, here's the shift. He's like, let's imagine that you made 100K per month for 12 months straight. And somehow that version of you was able to come back to this version of you right now with all your limitations, with your existing resources, with all the things. Let's say he came back and he became you right now. How long would it take him to produce $100,000 a month? Probably one month, maybe immediately like it would happen that Mm -hmm. month 
And he's mm-hmm. like, yeah, why? I was like, well, he already, he already knows what to do. He already has conviction about which things he do. He's already made those decisions that have led to, he's like, exactly. He's like, so mm-hmm. the key is to stop thinking as a 20K per month producers and start thinking as a 100K per month producer. So here's what he had me do. He had me imagine and journal out an entire day as a 100K per month producer. Like imagine what the average day is producing 100K per month. And then he had me come back to him. I know this is a little weird, right? But it's like this, mm-hmm. this literally took me from 20K months to 150K months in five months doing this one exercise. Mm. I go back to the coach. He says, okay, Joe. And by the way, I keep doing that. I took it from 150 and I said, okay, how, 250. How do I do 500 a month? How do I do a million a month? Mm-hmm. How do I do 2 million a month? Right? I keep doing the exercise to take me to that. He said, okay, Joe, here's the thing. He's like, now I want you to close your eyes and imagine yourself walking into the room with the 100K per month version of you, wherever his office is that you imagine, whatever he drives is like, go, go meet him. And so I did imaginary. I was rolling my eyes the whole time, Sam, because I'm like, this is dumb. Even though later I realized the Bible says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And so if I can think like the version of me I want to be, I can operate like him and I can actually become him. And so anyway, so I go in the room and I say, okay, he says, talk to 100, pretend you're talking to 100K month version of you. What does he tell you to do? And so I asked him in my imagination, he told me what to do. My coach said, Joe, what did he say? I told him what he said. And he said, what do you think about that? And I said, I can't do that. If I do that, I could go homeless again. If I do that, everything, if I do that, blah, blah, blah. He's like, Joe. He said, shut up. Mm -hmm. (laughs) He said, the reason why he's producing what he is and you're producing what you are is you have different values. And if you want what he's got, you've got to do what he does. But if you're going to do what he does, you're going to have to be who he is. And so from now on, you are not allowed to make any more decisions. Anytime you have a decision to make in your business, you're going to close your eyes, march yourself back into that imaginary office and ask 100K per month version of you what he would do in your circumstance. And everything he tells you to do, you will hate. And he says, then you're going to do what you hate because it'll never be comfortable because you're not him and he's not you. And he's like, but if you will do that over the next several months, he's like, your business will drastically change. And so I did. Mm -hmm. And within five months, I went from living in a townhouse then in Florida, struggling to pay the rent, to moving into my first mansion on a golf course. Five months. Mm -hmm. Why? Because it's not like a lot of times poor people think they want to have, do, be. And so they'll like borrow the money to have all the stuff, but they're not doing the stuff that it's all debt, right? And then kind of like, I, what I find is a lot of times just middle-class producers will many times just like try and do the things so that they can have the things. And so they save over long periods of time and stuff like that in order to get there. I got respect for both of those. But if you'll be at first in your mind, then you'll do the things that that version of you would do. And then you'll have what that version of you would have. And so it's not do have be, it's be do have. Because as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Hmm. That was some of the thing. some of the principle from the Think and Grow Rich. Uh, I think he teaches some of these things. Is as it well. okay? Yeah, I read that book a long time ago, but like, yeah, that, that was the shift for me. The, most certainly. So obviously, there's a lot more questions that I can ask. Uh, a couple more uh, rapid fire questions. Are there some sort of a productivity hacks that you have? Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I don't, I don't know that I'm any more adept than anyone else. I, I like to control my morning. 
right? It's like the, the first thing you do, it's like control and get the big rocks done. Cause I find the whirlwind of life always comes sometime late afternoon or late, uh, late morning to early afternoon. And it's like, you, you can lose control, but if you control your mornings, um, you can make sure the most important, most valuable stuff is getting done. So you schedule only your most important items to be done by you with no interruptions during the mornings in the morning. Yep. If you can Makes wake sense. up early and have four or five hours to yourself, insanely productive days, right? You, so. you kind of shared some some idea of how you go talk to your 100,000, 100, um, you know, 100K months self. But is there any, any other so, sort of decision-making framework that you follow when you have very critical decisions to make? I mean, that's it. But it's not a 100K mm -hmm. per month version. I mean, it's 2 million a month version of me million, that, I'm, that yes. I'm talking to, right? So I, mm -hmm. I, I will go to him and say, okay, if you're in my situation, what would you do? The amazing thing is that you can, I mean, just think of the, the power of that. Like the, the crazy th this thing to me about that is not the exercise. I think it's a little silly and weird too, right? Mm -hmm. It just keeps working. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, oh, I'm going to, if it works, I'm just going to go ahead and do it, right? But it's like mm -hmm. the, the crazy thing about that is that, you know, you, for those of you listening in the audience, like you actually already know the answer or can imagine the answer. You can literally like imagine that version of yourself and you actually know what that version of you would do. And so I couldn't have jumped from 20K months to 2 million a month because I couldn't, I, I hadn't grown at a progression that I could really visualize and understand how that version of me would think. I could only go so far right in my imagination to like create that character who really knows but it's funny like as soon as i get every time like i have a level and i get to the next level as soon as i get to that level sam it's like i immediately have everything i need and have access to the mindsets i need to be able to make the decisions to ascend quickly so mm -hmm. um so yeah i mean the i call it broke joe woke joe it has nothing to do with mm -hmm. politics. It was named before, but I, I named the two identities. So I had broke Joe thinking, and then I have woke uh -huh. Joe thinking, which is like this enlightened <laughs> kind of version. And so uh -huh. whenever I have a question and I'm like stuck, I ask woke Joe what he would do. And it's like, it's always uncomfortable to me and it's always easy mm -hmm. to him. And so I have to do mm -hmm. the uncomfortable thing that he tells me to do. And it's amazing how quickly it'll work. So it's a great, it's a great uh, methodology. That's something yeah. everybody should try to adopt that. So knowing what you know today, what, what advice would you give your younger self? I, I think I would have two main pieces of advice, and it would be um, great communicators rule the world. Um, so become a great communicator and, and don't, don't fear money, right? Like become a great communicator um, that doesn't fear money because, Sam, I haven't changed. I still want to make a huge impact in the world, and I'm making a bigger impact now. Than I was making mm -hmm. when I had more money. And now we're starting to lead movements of movement leaders who are passionate mm -hmm. about making a difference. So I've been through the pain and struggle. But what I realize now is that that version of me would not have been capable of carrying the weight of leadership that was required if, as that movement continued to grow. Mm -hmm. There's there's an interesting for those, you know, you I don't know, your listeners may or may not like or care about the Bible, but there isn't most people really respect Jesus. And there's an interesting parable in Luke where Jesus gives to each man 10, what they call Midas, which is about three months wages. And he gives it to each of them. And he comes back to see like how they were able to multiply the money. And the first one doubled it. The second one added five and the second one hit it. And he, he was very angry at the one who hit it and uh, all kinds of things happened. But here's the point. The man with 10 Midas who doubled it, he received 10 cities to rule over. And the man who raised five, he got five cities to rule over. 
And so there is a connection between your ability to multiply money and your ability to lead people. Mm -hmm. And I didn't realize that before. And so if you want to be someone who makes a big difference, you're going to have to be someone capable of the skill of multiplication, of being able mm -hmm. to multiply money, of being able to grow things in such a way that they can sustain. It's easy to grow things that's unsustainable and it all falls off. Fast money is easy. Building something mm -hmm. sustainable is how you change the world. And so mm -hmm. that's what I would tell my older self, like, like my younger self, like become a great speaker, figure out the money game so you can build something really valuable that's actually sustainable. Mm -hmm. so. Very good. If you had to do it all over again, would you do anything differently? <laughs> yes. Oh, yes, 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 yes. I, I, I could knock 10 years off real quick. That's because, you know, the, the skills you learn as, you know, I was leading a nonprofit faith based movement. The skills you learn as a speaker to speak to churches is similar to the skills that you use in entrepreneurship to speak to audiences. And mm -hmm. so I could cut 10 years off and just start doing events 10 years ago. And uh, I would have had, you know, millions and millions and millions of dollars to grow that movement. But, um, you know, sometimes it, Sometimes it takes us a while. Sometimes you got to make a lot of mistakes to really learn the lesson. I know a lot of people say I wouldn't go back. I can't honestly say that I'd go back. Like I mm -hmm. would go back because I don't, I mean, I don't want to do with that pain. I certainly don't want to put my family through 10 years of struggle and pain. I would, mm -hmm. I would, uh, I would, I would get it right. <laughs> awesome. Well, Joe, I can sit here and talk to you for hours. I appreciate you sharing your life lessons and uh, wisdom with our audience. Thank you again for joining me. Yeah, I appreciate it. This episode of Coffee with Closers is brought to you by One IMS, a leading digital marketing agency helping businesses win new customers. To request a free marketing ROI audit, please visit oneims.com. If you enjoyed this video, please share it. To make sure you never miss an episode, please subscribe.